Want to know some more fun facts? Isn't it awesome to see some of your favorite content creators and favorite people, honestly, you follow here on this app, be a part of this amazing community called The Nerd Initiative. The Nerd Initiative presents The Comic Press Podcast, hosted by JJ's Comic Stuff. What is going on, everybody? Hopefully, this is working properly. This is episode one, and it is prone to technical difficulties. This is the Comic Press Podcast from Nerd Initiative. I am your guest, JJ, from JJ's Comic Stuff. And today, my guest host is Michael Rothman, co-founder of... (laughs) Well, that's what I was saying. Yeah, my guest host for this evening is uh, Michael Rothman, co-founder of Nerd Initiative. What's going on, man? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. She can't hear you. How about now? Uh, let's see if she can hear me now. Nope, just JJ. <laughs> nope, just JJ. Well, let's, give, let's, let's give it a second. I'm texting her. She's texting me. I know I'm getting chat notifications already. This is great. Once again, guys, first episode. Bear with us. Oh, so CWK saying my mic's not on. Um, let's see. I should be on. What? What? Can you guys hear me? I'm hearing you just fine. Turn up the volume. What? Hello? Can can oh, you so hear? It's super. It's a super light. I think that's the the thing. Look at my settings. I'll say I just turned you up on uh, my end, but man. I don't think I can do any more. Um, okay. Um, oh, so is it? It's working now. Let's see. All right. They said they we can they can hear me better now. Cool. Okay, cool. All right, let's try that again. Welcome to the Comic Press Podcast, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love that first episode, Technical Difficulties, man. Content creation at its best, guys. At its finest. Oh, man. So how is everything going? Everything looks good. I'm looking at, I'm watching it third person from YouTube. Everything looks fantastic. And man... Why don't we just jump right into it since we've got everything working so I don't touch anything and break anything else. Well, let's let's introduce yourself. We we uh let's get a little intro going for people that don't know JJ. Uh let's hear your story um and why you're uh why we're we're starting this uh this new show. Um well, typical, you know, nerdy super nerd from childhood. Uh, <laughs> it was, you know, Spider-Man, Power Rangers, X-Men, all of the above when I was little and then got into school, you know, you kind of have to shelter yourself from it a bit to survive high school. So after that, I kind of fell off for a while. And then about a year and a half, two years ago, I started getting on TikTok, seeing a whole bunch of other people that were into comic books. And so I said, I can do that. And there's other people that like this stuff. So maybe I can make friends. And that was the entire intention behind it. That's awesome. And then now I'm, you're doing this (laughs) um so yeah for those who don't know um in addition to technical difficulties i also don't see jj in real time so there might be some crisscrossing but you know we're just gonna just gonna deal with it um we'll make it work man um so yeah so people that don't know my story uh co-founder of nerd initiative huge comic fan um previous life uh loved covering marvel and even dc man talk about a blast from the past uh marvel and <laughs> dc and um and movies and tv and having a blast man jj's one of the most knowledgeable 
um, most passionate comic fans around. Um, so you guys are really going to love this. It's going to be a treat. And we're going to bring you um, everything you need to know about comics from a biweekly basis. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're going to we're going to try and keep it fun too. You know, we're going to try to keep it quick moving rather this first episode, you know, bear, like I said, bear with us. We'll get the format down nice and tight exactly. and we'll, we'll get it together for sure. Having we said promise. all that, you got you got you have that promise from us. Yeah. <laughs> we will get our stuff together, I promise. But dude, that auction yesterday we watched why don't why don't you kind of talk about that a little bit Gita, before I start yeah. before I start slow uh, showing slides and naming prices here? Yeah, so I think every, so. Every two weeks, I think what we'll do is um, kind of give you a look at the past, present, and the future. Right? You know, I think uh, talk about new comics, talk about old comics, um, and if we're looking at the past, what a past it was. Um, so <laughs> Heritage Auctions, which is one of the biggest, the biggest names in auctions, um, I think especially when it comes to comic books, they are, in my opinion move my mic my my camera a little bit uh in my opinion they are i think the biggest name in you know rare and valuable comics and so uh sorry i got that fixed now so i'm good um i will say yeah uh they're as of today so what they're doing is it's their annual like huge auction um and so it's from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of, of this year, and it's just blue chip stuff. And so as of today, I checked it before we went on here. I think they just crossed, I think, over $10 million. Um, that gives you an idea of what they're – there's original art involved. Um, I was showing my wife yesterday, which is one of the cooler things. I think it went for like hundred and twenty grand. They had the – um, and I mean, it's super, it's super ancient too. that it's, it's beyond racist and, and crazy because it's 60 years old. They had the frame for where Tony Stark gets the shrapnel in his heart. Oh, wow. Um, now that's the original art, right? That is not like, Oh, a copy of it or what it's the, it's literally it's, it's original art. And so it's the original art and it's that there's to my knowledge is only one of one when it comes to stuff like that. And so that went for 120 grand. Um, but like I said, it's, it is, I don't know if you want to display it or not. Cause it is really, Oh yeah. I got, I got a slideshow here in just a second. Like if you want, we can rapid fire cause each slide shows up for about seven seconds. Okay. So yeah. I, um, I went through, marked down a whole bunch of the really cool stuff I thought was most interesting. So first slide, we've got all star comics, number eight, which is wonder woman's first appearance. 4.5 CGC $43,200. bad though. I mean, talk about an incredibly undervalued book because that's a 1940s book, right? Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the slide's going too fast, but uh, that's all right. I, we can always just restart the slides. Yeah, yeah it's fine. These are just a, a sh like these are just an array of the books that were sold. So, uh, yeah, Wonder Woman. That's an incredibly undervalued book, um, which is crazy because it, it's. You know, it's from the it's an eighty year old book from the forty. I was gonna say, I was surprised it went as low as forty three thousand dollars. Honestly, yeah, I saw a, a while back, I think on Instagram, like a, a two point five or three point five go for thirty. So I think, I mean, overall prices have cooled on on graded comics a little bit um, as we kind of head into a questionable twenty twenty three. But um, uh, yeah, that one seems to have come down overall, but. The big one was the next one. Um, oh, the so biggest of the entire thing, I think it was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So with with, I mean, so when you go, it also needs to be explained too. We were doing this yesterday. When we went live um, on TikTok. When you do a heritage auction, it's not just the bid price one. So if you win a, a something for a hundred thousand dollars, you're essentially going to pay one hundred twenty because you pay uh this like buyers it's called a bp like a buyer's premium so it's 20 percent, and then you usually pay taxes too so you got to factor all that in um yeah these are the final prices with the buyer's price added on yeah so amazing fantasy 15 which we all know is spider-man's first appearance uh a nine two which is one of i, I thought it's, it would be like, the best copy in the world it's one i think of it's 15. one of yeah it's there's very 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 few in that good of condition and it went for eight hundred and ten thousand dollars so crazy that is insane yeah. 
Well, the Batman one went for what six hundred with the buyer's premium, so it went for five hundred thousand. And then yep, five hundred fifty-two thousand dollars. Yeah, um, it's just nuts. I mean, I think look, these are. I think as grading has come about, um, and we've interviewed Steve Borak before for Nerd Initiative, and like I think you know one of the pioneers of, of grading comics, right? Mm -hmm. It's separating the separating the masses, right? So you have again that Spider Man is an elite elite book of there's you know if you own that book you're one of a handful of people have a book you know it's the key silver age book by far hands down and when and it came out a lot like, of people wadded it up and put it in their back pocket yeah well also like in the in two in the 60s marvel they were, it's called mar you know marvel chipping which is i you know i think that that's a big thing and i've seen books that have higher grades go for less than books with lower grades that don't have marble chipping. So for people that don't know, marble chipping is in the 60s, these books weren't meant to be kept and saved. They were made of really, you know, not quality paper uh, and the covers over time, not really by wear and tear, just again, it's age. This is 60 years old, you know, mm -hmm. Spider-Man's 60th anniversary. Like they start to chip off. And so you find these older books and I wish I had, I actually do, well, that's nah, fine. Um, <laughs> you can see like, it's just little chunks of the edges start to come off. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these books when restoring before restoring was looked really down upon, um, you know, people used to trim, trim, trim the, the edges to kind of make it, you know, better. Right and now restoring really lowers the grade. So it, again, the 9.2 is huge, but also the fact that the book is like, really pristine and it's just a really hard copy to get and yeah it's worth it's pretty close to a million i mean uh, for one comic book that costs like 10 cents um insane yeah it was, i think it was 10 cents when it came out in the 60s i mean but if you look it's funny there's a thing um and if i maybe i can go to it right now if you go to it's kind of like a short sponsored message if you go to short box they have historic um historic you know, uh, uh, buying data. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, I can't talk right now. But so if you go uh, amazing, I think they have an amazing fantasy on there. You can see. So, yeah, you said like, oh, it was 10 cents when it came out. But, you know, we've seen a real boon in the past five, 10 years with comics. So, I mean, I someone today had was was picking up. Yeah, there is a, a copy on Shortbox. By the way, the easiest and safest way to buy graded comics, short box. Um, it's even though we're talking about heritage. Um, you can look at the historic census. And so if you go through, um, oh, <laughs> you don't even want to hear this. Oh, God. You don't want to hear this. So they have listed a 1.0. So if you want to compare, which is really interesting. So here, this is short box, really great app for buying and selling comics. Um, they have a 1.0 uh, Amazing Fantasy 15 listed for 17,000, um, and then you know, Shortbox is like any other platform. You can make offers, and you can you, you know you're not gonna uh, unless you just buy it, you're not gonna automatically spend 17,000. But they also have historical sales data, and so in this data, um, man, uh, COVID really has you know luxury goods went through the roof when people were staying home and you know, stimulus checks came into play and whatever. Um, before COVID, that book in 2019 was going for about 9,000. So you're looking at a double in value. And then in, if you want to go back 10 years, 2011, that book sold for $2,000. Holy cow. That so is, that is such a out. gap. So, yeah, I mean, it's now, I, I mean, you think, you have to think about, time right so 10 years we're talking about 2011's kind of the beginning of the mcu tom holland spider-man i remember tom holland spider-man for those that don't know like was it 2016 when he was in civil war mm -hmm. um it really it, it made spider-man cool again like he was back well, and he wasn't MCU. even like confirmed cast until after the movie was already being like completely like a, a deer near finished from what i understand mm -hmm. so yeah so i mean that kind of stuff really i mean i i'm i'm afraid to look up like tales of suspense 39 before the mcu i'm sure they were going oh, for man. 
you know, nothing. I mean, if you go back, you go all the way back on the data here, they have it in 2005. Um, it's like $800 for <laughs> So, I mean, again, this is time. That's what happens over time. Is right. Things, you know, increase in value and price. And so it, yeah, it's not um, where things will go from here. I don't know. I mean, I think, again, like I said, there's a separation now. I think people are starting to see they want the real blue chip books. Uh, and, you know, if you're a huge fan, you will go. I mean, I don't know. It's tough to spend 20 grand on, you know, a lower end book, but um, we'll see. We'll see what happens and where things go. And, and uh, but yeah, right now the dollars are crazy. Um, $192,000 for flash comics. Number one. It's crazy. It's crazy. I remember being, I will say that this is the last, this is a story I've told all the time. And this is the last thing I'll tell you about that is, um, I remember being in college and I, sometimes I think I'm kidding myself when I tell this story, but then I, I looked at the historical data and I know that I'm not, I remember being in college, which is, you know, around that time that the book was going for like 800 bucks or whatever. Um, and seeing what they call reader copies. So they reader copies are, you know, are coverless copies that have been thrown around so much that the cover just came right. Up or people just threw about, you know, because they're like, it's it's a copy that was, you know, at, at a getting your hair cut or a coffee shop or, a, a, you know, a something got spilled on it or whatever. Yeah, they're just there for people to read. And there was a coverless copy on eBay. Um, I think it was like a couple hundred bucks max. And those now, if you, those are valuable of Amazing Fantasy 15. Those are like 10 grand. I mean, that one sold on Heritage last week because I watch Heritage Weekly. It's just fun to watch these things go go down. One sold, there was a coverless copy. Um, it was eight thousand. <laughs> well, so, did do you remember seeing the the number one from Superman number one that mm -hmm. sold for like what was it seven thousand dollars or something? Oh, man, it was just literally somebody had taken a box cutter or an exacto knife and cut out the number one off the cover, yeah. and it got that graded. Yeah. And it sold for like seven and that's grand. That's the problem. I, that's that's the problem. So I think that's the thing that people are concerned about. Um, you know, with this stuff, and this is stuff that we can get into. You know, in the future of the show, like really get into like what's mm -hmm. the future of comics? Like, I know you're a big fan. I know we have a lot of friends that are. And again, I I say this without, you know, we're all about, you know, inclusivity and welcoming people, but a lot of people are worried about like the business of it and the influencer aspect. There's a lot of people on Instagram mm -hmm. and I, I, I found really good things from it. You know, again, I think there's a lot of people that um, collaborate with short box that are great people um, that I guess are considered influencers, you know, like that, that are on there, on that we have, that we know we're friends with. I think they're, they're, they're comic fans. fans. They're great people for the hobby. Um, you do have some businesses. And I think that's a perfect example, cutting out, the one from action comics one and selling that, that that's stupid i mean that come on that's like i mean it's cool to have but i think like it's not it just goes beyond what the hobby is supposed to be about. right well like i want to know is like either why did you cut that out of a complete cover or where did you just randomly find a you number one you know what it might be so sanderson studios on instagram is a really good restorer slash conserver and I think he just, un I mean, you want to do unrestoration. He takes restoration off and like fixes books up. And this is, again, this is the opposite side of that coin. He was doing these auctions. Um, I think it was for a foundation or a charity. And he has all these extra parts that come from restore taking restoration out. So a lot of people glue on things and like, you know, amateur restoration, there's, there's something called color touch where you're, you know, you're, 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 you're basically markering up like, a faded cover, you know, and if that's restoration or trimming or, or glue or whatever it is, tape on the covers considered restoration to some degree. And he was selling these little vials of really cool things. And I think it had bits and pieces from action one and bits and pieces from Batman one and like things that he had gotten, you know, and this guy is kind of like, almost like a high end art rest, rest, you know, restoration. Right. That goes into like, you know, he, he's, he's the gold standard. Like I, I watch him and I live for his posts because it shows he shows you the progress of like doing these incredibly iconic things. We'll never ever, you know, we might never handle like a Batman one or whatever. Right. And he was trying to make money off those scraps for a charity. So again, 
the epitome of what it should be about, right? It's, he's he's a huge fan. He cares about the, the hobby. And he just had these vials of like, you know, glue and bits. And I think he had some some bits that came from Marvel Comics one, which is nuts and valuable. And so he did this thing. It was like two, three hundred bucks per little plastic vial filled with these little bits. And he was like, look, they're just little fun things if you're a comic fan, but all the proceeds are going to this charity. And he and so he did it. And so that I, I think that might be where it came from. But some guy got or or woman or whoever got their hands on it or person got their hands on it and then got graded it and sold it and it's just how would you even mail that to get graded it's so small i don't know (laughs) i will say there's another thing that too like we were talking about this this week i was talking with a friend that coverless copy of amazing fantasy 15 you can i've seen pages um our friend batman was looking to buy a, a page from batman one like you can buy pages yeah. if you can't afford the, the 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 entire book or the coverless book or or complete book or, or whatever you can buy wraps which are you know sections of the book and you can also buy pages and i've seen the page the splash page of amazing fantasy 15 which is you know the classic which i could pull up a photo the classic iconic photo of like you know, the the dorky Peter Parker and people are making fun of him. And it's like the coming of Spider-Man is like, you know, the big first page. Mm-hmm. I've seen that go for two grand, just that page. And that's not even a grade. Someone just cut it, sent it in or ripped it off, sent it in, and they're not going to grade it. Um, and it just says, it just says PG is the, is the, the designation for page. And, you know, if you don't want to spend 15 grand for the whole book, you could just buy the page. And so that might be also someone that took apart that, book which i still wouldn't do to an action comics one like right that totally well, great that's the like are, it's not a car you can't piece it out and make <laughs> than an action one um you know you can put it on par with detective 27 but i mean that's that's still not even as valuable as an action one so i don't know i don't know this, we can look up the story behind it at some point but i'm sure <laughs> i would say that's that's definitely worth a little bit of research later on down the line yeah. for sure yeah um Um, so yeah so that was the auction it is still going on so i'm sure it'll go well above the the art was incredible i mean we were caught off guard um (laughs) we thought i was like oh it's going for like 80 grand it's like a page of original art it was the entire book so page like one through 22 or something Mm -hmm. That's a nut, a nutty, crazy. And that one went for like four hundred something thousand. Well, yeah, it's the it's the whole book. Yeah. I mean, again, I I think you know I always go to my friend uh, Kofi, who's a collector of all different kinds of things, and he always says like, think about what you'll never be able to get. You know, that's value, like that you are one of one. So I think again, I think about that Iron Man page, which I think I think. It's not him in the Iron Man costume, but I mean, there's only one concept art page for that. You know, like there's yeah, only one original whatever. artwork piece for that. So and whatever, whoever has it, that's worth a million dollars. Like the first image of Iron Man as Iron Man breaking it. You know, that, yeah, that, that's 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 literally priceless. So I think I look at it as like, look, like the page where he's getting the shrapnel in his heart, and we all know the story behind Tony Stark, like that's pretty iconic. It's, you know, it's so I actually think of something like that for 120 grand. To me, that feels like somewhat of a deal. If you're a huge Iron Man fan, you are never going to have another opportunity to get that piece of iconic art. So, you know, it's right. Things like that, I think are historic. Um, I think when people are cutting out numbers and selling that for crazy amounts of money, that's just silly. And it's, it's, like we said, it's really bad for. I think it's really bad for the hobby. Um, yeah, because there's only so many things to take scraps off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's next? What's next topic? Next what, topic what, is our top five reads of 2022. Since we mm-hmm. are now in 2023, I figured it would be cool to go over the five favorite things we read last year. Nice. So. They have to be so here. Let's let's lay down the ground rules. Do they have to be um, of twenty twenty two? Because I was reading a lot. No, because like, one of mine okay, is from twenty twenty one, but I read it last year. Uh, okay, I was gonna make a joke and be like, "You're really breaking the rules." There, I was reading stuff of like Secret Wars. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, I was from December twenty twenty one, so I threw it in there. 
Nah, trust me, it's all good, man. So the first, this isn't in any kind of particular order or anything like that, but the first one I've got is um, right here. It's called Do a Powerbomb by uh, Daniel Warren Johnson. He's doing the art and the writing. He's calling it his passion project. So basically the main character's name is Lana Steele Rose, and her mother was a professional wrestler who died in the ring. And so she is now trying to break into the wrestling business, but nobody wants to train her to actually become pro because of what happened to her mom. So she ends up meeting this wrestling promoter, quote-unquote, named the Necromancer, who invites her to a tag team tournament in another dimension as a way to try and bring her mom back. It is one of the coolest stories you will read i promise especially if you're any kind of professional wrestling fan like even a little bit this is like one of the best things that's come out in forever that has to do with wrestling that's really cool um yeah i'm not going to be able to be on par with that um synopsis and review (laughs) really really well done um we're gonna clip that off i'll say i'm not gonna do that with all of them because we're trying to keep this kind of short today but (laughs) that Uh, one i had to get into because yeah that that was one of my favorite underrated ones that slipped by a lot of people last year that was really really good um i actually want to read that now um and I, i think you know, Diesel Dan's the guy that really brings us into you and him um, really give us into like these new books that otherwise I wouldn't know of. Um, and he really gets indie, which is really cool. So, yeah, I, me and I me and him have had quite a few conversations talking about like those super random indie stuff we read. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if I'm going to do you want me to add mine in or do you have another one to go? Or? No, go right ahead, man. Uh, I mean, I, like I said, I was going through. It's funny how 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 much comics have evolved in like 20, 30 years, and like the indie stuff is like really incredible. Um, we could always talk about something that's killing the children, and I, I feel like that's probably in your top five because that's a great book as well. But, it's um, actually well, sort of, but we'll get okay. into that. <laughs> um, but I, I I've been reading, I've been trying to, like, you know, like I think I did it years ago, and it was super fun when um, when Infinity War was announced. I went back and kind of reread all the infinity gauntlet slash infinity war uh books which are just nuts because they they so they're so crazy and all that all the the guessing game on the mcu of like what they were going to be and like everyone was completely off and it was so much better than we thought it was going to be mm-hmm. we saw end game um i have gone back and started reading secret wars and i think um i've re- I recently had read the the newer you know one that was a couple years ago from from hickman um and then i'm i was reading the ones from like the 80s and 90s um and yeah they're 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 bizarre um and it's so <laughs> funny and i i think the one thing that really solidifies though is that dr doom was definitely going to be the main villain i think in this because he literally is the main in both of them and like i, I think that's a lock you know no matter what yeah you where you stand but I will say it's just it's just cool. Like it's fun too. It is also there's a carefree thing about it where, you know, you're reading like the Hulk like holding up like that that tons of granite as they've been they've just been attacked by and for people that don't know the premise, um, I'm not gonna be able to explain it as well as JJ did just recently, but um, you know, it's essentially for the original one, the Beyonder comes in and he's, you know, he's destroyed all the, the multiverse has sent this one planet, which is like battle world. And he's taken all the heroes and the, it's literally like what, as a kid, what you would come up in your mind. Like, it's like the heroes versus the villains winner takes all. And you're like, and now you're reading it. You're like, Oh man, this is, it's, it's so funny. Cause it's iconic, but it's, but it's also freeing too. Cause it's just fun. And it takes you back to like a childhood like state. So reading those has been fun and it has been a blast. And that's been, I think one of my top reads. And I started reading it late last year and I've been kind of, taking my time um, through them and just kind of going through and trying to make guesses and, and theories on what we're going to see in a couple of years in the MCU. So that's been one that I've been going through. Heck yeah, man. And it's one of those that's like it, you, that story ages well. Not every comic run does. Mm-mm. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> like there's there's some '90s stuff we just won't even bring up right now. But <laughs> oh, I mean the '90s in general is just hilarious with like the belts and the muscles and just I mean, the unrealistic anatomy. Like not even like uh, I get it, superheroes they got to be a little bit bigger, you know. But like the extra added musculature on every character, like muscles that do not exist. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't get into the whole politics of everything either. But like the 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 objectification of women is nuts, and you don't, Insane. I don't think you realize it when you're a kid. Well, no, and not when you're a kid because you're not paying attention to that stuff. You know, you're yeah. just reading the superhero story. But the outfits are just like, and I think it was it was good to see. What was recently done? Um, because like when you had X Men, the Brian Singer one, where like Psylocke was, I think that outfit was just, it just <laughs> silly. Like it's just silly. And what was recently was done where people were worried about it, and it ended up being really well done. I forgot who's who's what character it was. Um, it wasn't was it She Hulk? I don't think so. I, I don't know. I can't think of it now. But it was someone that. And you were like, that when the actual costume came out and they actually did, you're like, good job. Like, it's regular. <laughs> it's not crazy. It's right. It's and whatever. Like, and to think that, that what, Age of Apocalypse or X-Men Apocalypse was only what? Like, six, seven years ago, maybe? Yeah, and something so, like that. That outfit was not, I mean, I remember seeing it at the time and I was like, this is a little, feels. I feel a little weird about this. Right, um, like I feel weird reading this. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. What's your next one? Uh, all right. My next one is uh, from Marvel, and it's actually Demon Days by Peach Momoko and Zach Davison. So I know a lot of people probably know Momoko for her cover art, but this was the first thing that Marvel gave her. Basically, here's the reins. Do something cool. And so she came up with basically the story of a wandering swordswoman in ancient feudal Japan. And all the villains have been turned into evil spirits and things like that. And so have a lot of the heroes. Mm -hmm. So instead of, you know, say Venom coming out as a symbiote, he's actually this demon of dark energy. You know, like it, yeah. it, she's kind of changed the lore behind a lot of the characters and stuff. Oh, and what's cool. really, really cool about it is in the back of each issue, every like mythological creature or event or holiday that she like puts into the book she puts an explanation of in the back of the book so you understand where the context uh, came from it's okay. super cool and the whole book is yeah. done with her artwork zach davison has basically just helped her write a little bit and translate into english since of course she's from japan yeah she's i mean she's a, a special one you know i think people have really recently got on the peach train rightfully so right like I mean, she at New York Comic Con, her lines were like around. Yeah, and that that can be a whole other podcast episode. What she had yeah, to deal yeah. with during that that was unfair and insane. But oh yeah, yeah. But I I I just as far as like, and then how she handled it was amazing as well. Oh, hundred like percent. Yeah, but I, I will say like, it just goes to show that like people have really caught on to her and her creativity, and so it's nice to see. Um, her artwork is, is, is amazing. And it's um, watercolor, which is something you don't see in comic books very often, yeah. if ever. I, you see oil paintings from, like, Alex Ross. He does a lot of, like, oils. You, you see, like, you know, of course, a lot of the digital stuff nowadays where you can definitely tell it's been colored with on a digital pad or something like that. Mm -hmm. But her stuff, is it's just different. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of great. What's the, what's the next one? I'm letting you keep going because I really... <laughs> You're putting me to shame, so I'm not going to even try Oh, you're to... good, man. Um, let's see here. Next one, I think, is going to have to be 8 Billion Genies by Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. And that it is the it is as chaotic as the premise makes it sound. Everybody in the world gets a genie, and everybody gets one wish, but it can be literally anything. That's awesome. And, and you know, you ever read The Monkey's Paw? you be careful what you wish for because it can affect others around you. Mm -hmm. It's the same deal. Yeah. So I'll, I don't want to spoil it too much for everybody, but in the first episode, the bartender in the scene does the smartest wish out of anybody, I think, in the entire series, and he basically wishes for his bar to be a safe zone where no one else's wishes can interfere with anything inside the bar. 
Oh, wow. So it, it, each issue is like eight minutes after the genies appeared. Then the next issue is like eight minutes after the genies appeared. And then the next one is, you know, eight days after the genies appeared. And it keeps going and the population of genies and humans keeps decreasing. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, too, because, like, that one got picked up real quick. Uh, by Amazon Boy, by swooped Amazon. that, yeah, that up got... fast. Issue one was out. It got optioned, like, a week later. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will say, like, look, like, we interviewed Charles Soule. Uh, some people say Soule. I think it's Soule, but maybe it's maybe I'm wrong. Um, I could be wrong, at, too. I don't know. At, at NYCC, and uh, he kind of went into exactly what you went into, and – but I, it also isn't surprising. Again, you know, we went into Peach's background and and how creative and and unique and and different as she is. Um, Charles the same way. I mean, the guys mm-hmm. for those that don't know his background uh, is a lawyer by trade. Um, and I love the fact that uh, it's kind of really up like nerd initiatives like Ali. He <laughs> decided he wanted to do this. And you know, for those that don't know his 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 background, I mean, he did obviously did Daredevil. I mean obviously uh matt murdoch like it's like yeah he he wrote for daredevil uh he also wrote for she hulk so those are like you know layups for him as, as a lawyer um but he also obviously did you know eight billion genies he did darth vader he did um else he's done like so much it's it's insane it just keeps going on and on and on and on um but i loved his story of how he said something like 10 to 15 years ago he said this is the career i want to have um I want to be, you know, optioning. He was he was a consultant on She-Hulk, um, for mm-hmm. those that don't know. Uh, so he was a part of that whole filming and that whole series. And I think that will help him with 8 Billion Genies and Amazon. Yeah, that uh, definitely gave him some production experience. Yeah, and he is also working at, like, Lucasfilm as, like, a... I think he's high up as, as another title of, you know, they have a story group. And mm-hmm. he's he's just really become, like, a creative like juggernaut uh and you know it's just it's impressive and he's the one of the best guys around on top of that but i what stuck with me is that he it's not overnight um and you know that's the thing i i think the cautionary tale there is that even for someone that is a lawyer so that he did what how many years of schooling to get Uh, that probably seven to (laughs) twelve and he's obviously using it because he is using in his writing and his knowledge. And so, you, you know, you don't, it's not a law degree is never going to be wasted, but I do love the fact that he was like, all right, this is what I want to do. And he got there and he, it was weird because I think after 8 billion genie, he's, he's really at the place he wants to be at. Mm-hmm. And so there was like a calm over him. We were interviewing him and he was like, yeah, I, I've reached where I want to be. And I'm, he'll keep, I'm sure. He'll I was say when I was more. watching that interview, he just looked very content where he was sitting. Like he, he looked very company? happy with himself. Yeah. <laughs> If you look at his like, and I wish we had a photo. Uh, we'll pull up at some point in time. If you look at the, the his table at at you know in artist in artist alley, I mean his it's just a, an epic list of characters and and titles and things that he's covered, and he really is a fan of all these things. And now he's you know uh, him and Ryan are like a, a powerhouse creative duo. So it's it couldn't happen to two better people. So for sure, yeah. All right, so I think I got, what, two more for my top fives? Yeah, let's do it. So next one is not something is killing the children, but the spinoff, House of Slaughter. Okay. So if you remember in the first, spoiler alert real quick, just to let everybody know for something is killing the children, there is a character that shows up to try and talk the main character out of doing what she's doing, like another person from her order or whatever. And basically this series follows him because he actually dies and something is killing the children. And I think issue five. Okay. That's interesting. And it shows you another side of the house. Like, you know, how in something is killing the children each, they, they have different, you know, I guess you could call them departments and they had different, they have different colored scarves and each different colored scarf has a different mission that they go out Mm -hmm. and do. They have a different task or whatever. And so these spinoff series are now starting to cover all those different houses and meeting characters within those different groups rather than just following the main character around. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, I don't really have much to add to it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I was say, I don't know how much you've read of something's killing the children or anything, but yeah, I mean, people are probably on here. We'll get um, some comments and be like, 
this guy's not up and uh, as much as JJ <laughs> on on what, what is he doing on here? But I I swear I'm a comics fan and I, I've read a ton of comic books and I know a lot of stories. Well, and and the thing is, like, if people say that kind of stuff, it's like just because you're not reading what's coming out right now doesn't mean you're not a fan of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you're not willing yeah. to read stuff that's coming out right now. It's just you don't know what's coming out. So how do you know yeah. what to pick up and read? Well, I will say it's it's funny. Um, and we'll have to have, like, more props in the future, like things that we have. Uh, yeah, well, I guess first episode, you know. <laughs> yeah, some, some really great stuff. And, again, like, he – I think you guys are both so astute in, in what is good out there that people might know, might know about, might not know about. You know, it's a, it's a mixture – and he sent me, he was, he went to, I think it was LA Comic Con and he sent me not only a couple of like the exclusives there that I wanted to get, but he also was like, I'm going to get you a couple of uh, just like random things that I like. Uh, and so I appreciated that. And I think um, I have not checked them out yet, but I need to. And he's like, do you want me to go really crazy or crazy? And I was like, eh, you know, be, take it easy on me. <laughs> Well, because uh, that I always tell people when they want to start getting, especially into indie stuff, I always ask them, what kind of movies do you like? Yeah, you know, because that's the easiest way to gain somebody's taste and what they're gonna want to read. Because some people can get shocked by some of the stuff that's in comic books. Like, oh yeah, it's a very unfiltered art form. Mm-hmm. Well, especially now, and I think you know, Boom Studios is one of those who is really pushing the envelope in a good way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think again, it's not just. It's kind of funny to think about how, and I, I think I saw a Robert Kirkman documentary on this when he was talking about Invincible and he was talking about uh, Walking Dead. And it's kind of funny to think there was such a long gap um, before it became popular, but where things had really were stuck in the old, you know, old ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and the titles were limited and not very creative. And, and you know, that's why a lot of, I think mean, everybody knows the story. That's why a lot of those guys like McFarlane and Liefeld left Marvel to go to Image to really, you know, do whatever they wanted to creatively and not just be artists. Um, so, but it's it's interesting to think that like, I really think we're in, you know, people say we're in the golden age of, of TV. I think we're in the golden age of comics as far as like the storytelling and the content. Like it's just. The writers and artists are starting to have a lot more control over what they get to do which I think is a really good thing because mm-hmm. like, especially with the writers that keep going over to image or all these other indie publishers, like those publishers pretty much give the creators full reign. Yeah. As long as they're not screwing up any of the licenses that they've got with these companies, like, you know, boom's got power Rangers. They've got, mm-hmm. um, something is killing the children. They've got a bunch of those big titles. So does IDW, but they push these indie creators and writers. Yeah. So, okay. Last one is another indie book, and it is Twig from Scotty Young and Kyle Strom. Ooh. So this one, I was not expecting what it was. It, it The cover is what made me grab it because I hadn't heard anything about this book yet. And basically, it's this little creature called Twig, and he is going out for his first day on the job as what they call a journeyer. And basically, he's got like this little crystal that he has to get to a certain place at a certain time to keep the world working, basically. And literally everything that can go wrong goes wrong on this first day. Like, he's late for work. <laughs> his boss yells at him, which his boss is a giant mountain. That's a whole other thing. Like, it, this is it, it very much reminds me of like shows or movies like The Dark Crystal or The Labyrinth. Okay. Where it's got very a bunch of weird creatures. The environment's real dark, but the main character is like just a champ through the whole dang thing. Well, I mean, Scotty Young is a different kind of artist and clearly a different kind of um, storyteller. Yeah, because <laughs> what's funny is Scott Young is, is doing some of the cover art, but Kyle Strom is the main artist on this book, and Scotty's writing. That's awesome. I mean, this is, like, literally, this Spider-Man right here could be, like, out of a Scott, Scotty Young cover. Yeah. I mean, he, he essentially, draw, like, draws in Funkos. Like, it's it's kind of awesome. <laughs> um, and so he That's needs, a good he needs, way to put it. He draws in Funkos. That was the first thing I when I, I noticed. And he's got, I mean, he's, you know, for people that are of, I guess, my age, um, who got into comics before variant covers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those are 
That's definitely started what in like the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, I mean, if you consider X Men One, right? It had like the, the the five cover fold and like these things like that. But the real, I mean, the real like like true variant covers with like the the retailer incentives. I was learning from like you know some people on TikTok about that, including Bumpkins, um, who, mm -hmm. who is also a nerd initiative, but um, another smart guy who does a ton about. I'll say Bumpkins but... was our first guest on my other podcast. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, he's got he's got a really great. I think we're very similar. Um, in age and mm -hmm. of the era and stuff and so but it's interesting i mean I, I i love learning about that stuff and so scotty young does a lot of the fun variants um you know that come up you know so for people that don't know like like a you know how many spider-man one are there out there as far as new series um oh my so gosh. If a new, new spider-man comes out or amazing spider-man or whatever there might be like eight covers um yeah done by a bunch of different artists like for example actually um there was one book somebody told me about the other day. It's getting ready to come out. I forget which one it is. I think it's a Batman book, but I don't know which Batman book it is. But it's got 42 variant covers. That's going to – again, this, is, one this book. is where we're getting to the – I think we're getting to the cutting out the number one of Action Comics 1 with stuff like that. Like Where it's oversaturation like, for no reason. It, yeah, like, that's what happened in the 90s. That's what killed comics in the 90s. So, I mean, we'll end up talking about that in future episodes of like the future of like where you know it's it's super popular right now and it's great and it's great for people that have liked it for so long you know i've been a fan for i mean again comics helped me learn to read i know i, I know that's a very common story but um i you know so it's great that's popular we love that's popular and it's it's great that you know we have amazing movies and shows i just hope they you always got to think about like we talked about we we kicked off the show by talking about the auction that's breaking like ten million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think think you have to think about when things get super popular and saturated and carried away. What made these things valuable in the first place, right? So, right. you know, one thing is like okay, like Amazing Fantasy fifteen that was the last issue of a book that was canceled right afterwards. Uh, it wasn't supposed to be Spider Man in the book and at all. Stan just threw it on because he wanted to put him in there. Um, he got his own series because that book outsold the rest of Amazing Fantasy. Um, by a all lot. That, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was like by 30. It was crazy. Um, and of course, the publisher tried to take credit for Spider- like, Let's talk about the Spider-Man character we all love, which he hated. Um, right. And so, but, you know, that's that's something you can't control. Like, mm -hmm. again, like stuff that's not popular is valuable because it's rare. But I think, you know, comics became popular again. You know, retail incentives, you know, there's... So Ultimate Fallout 4, which I have somewhere here i try to point it never works out like over there. <laughs> uh there's a variant cover that's super rare and worth like a ton of money and i think that's cool so like that's something that you know if you were a big fan you got it that's great um it's just a lot rarer and scarcer than the main book mm -hmm. and then if you go over here i love i'm like vanna white right now there's a as a peach mocha cover of uh, amazing fantasy 1000 and so I'm cool with that. And there's a bunch of different artists that did Marvel Comics 1000, Amazing Fantasy 1000. I, um, I actually am guilty of one of the incentives. I got one of the, uh, I got the Peach Momoko Virgin variant cover for Amazing Fantasy 1000. And that was one of 5,000. Is that the one with the, is that the one I had with the half mask, half yep. him? Or, yeah, I love that. It's a great book. It's a beautiful book. Um, so again, like that's cool and you're featuring off different artists so i think there's like 10 to 15 especially for so marvel comics 1000 has a bunch we just sent out on one of the giveaways we sent out i think it was now it's not ryan is it ryan brown because i know there's a couple and they're spelled differently so it is it might be ryan brown or ryan north i can't remember it's a ryan brown cover i guess i know it's it's always thought of the ryan brown it's not it's the not the eight billion genies um artist uh and so he did a variant cover that's really cool because in the background, you see the heroes in the front round. It does look almost like watercolor oil. And the background are the old covers. You know, so you have like Suspense 39, you have Amazing Fantasy 15, you have Avengers 1, like all these things. So that's cool to show off. And I think there's like 10 to 15, and that's a milestone book. But like to your point, if you're coming out with a new franchise of Batman, there must be, I mean, you just, you gave one of the books to read, and this might be coming up um, as we close out the show, but. Uh, one of the books to read that, in one of your recent articles was a new Miles Morales series mm -hmm. um, that looks it looks awesome, um, but like again like that's probably one of 
in the past like 10 years there's so many different spider-man ones and like so, right exactly like, so many different batman ones like those are the two most marketable characters so if you're creating 42 covers for a batman one or a spider-man one like you are going this is silly like like what are those covers actually worth if there's that many of them yeah so I, that that's kind of frustrating and tough if you're again, it, I think I think the fallback is Marvel Comics 1000, right? Like that's the book that started it all uh, for Marvel. It wasn't even more. It was timely comics back then. Mm-hmm. But like to go 1000 and feature your top artists of that genre. Like how cool would that have been in the 90s if like there was a Marvel Comics 500 or I, I don't know how you want to do it. And you had like a McFarlane cover and a Liefeld cover and a Jim Lee cover. And, a, you know, that would have been really cool. So I can appreciate that. But if you're just doing it just to start off a new series and you're just trying to sell a bunch of books and whatever, that's, again, that could be a tipping point or lead to a tipping point for the hobby. And I really hope it doesn't. Um, but like you said, the saturation and the cash cowing yeah. of the hobby is really what I, I remember. It's what killed it in the 90s. Like there was, was it X-Men? There's like a million copies out there of X-Men 1 or something or Spider-Man yes, 1? Uh, Spawn 1. Crazy. Spawn number one. I can literally go down the street. There's a comic shop over there that I do not like because I don't like the people that work there. They are the exact opposite of what you want in a comic book store when you go in there. But they have one entire long box of nothing but Spawn number one for like a dollar fifty. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just one of those yeah. books that got so mass produced that it's it's not worth really anything yeah, now. Bad. Unless you've got like 15 signatures on it from everybody who ever touched the book. (laughs) Yeah, that's disappointing. So, yeah, 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 I don't know. I I hope, I hope that they're, you know, look, we're in an, I also get the mentality. It's a business and we're in an era that, you know, we might never get this kind of a height with everything again. Hopefully it, hopefully it does continue on because we love it so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but things go in waves and cycles. And so, you know, right. Who knows? Who knows? But um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, look, if you look in the corner of, of your eye, you can see, I, I'm also, there's a sneaker down there. Um, and that's another thing that's been really saturated as a, re- you know, Jordan. Very became much hot so. And, yeah. And, and during COVID and, and they've been pumping, Nike's been pumping those out and Jordan brand's been pumping those out. Like there's no tomorrow. And I, I just hope, it kind of because they've been just, remaking old ones now, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, and so we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so for our last segment of the evening, I figured most anticipated reads for next week, since there is a new comic book day every week. For those of you who don't know, every Wednesday, mm-hmm. new comic books hit comic book store shelves. Unless you're lucky, DC on Tuesday. Um, (laughs) so first off is something from a brand new publisher. It's a brand new title that I discovered recently that I think is really going to be interesting. And it's called Coins of Judas and it's being released by Band of Bards Comics and it's being written and arted by, uh, arted, written and drawn by Travis Gibb and Tyler Carpenter. And basically it's going over... It's obviously a fictional story, but it's going over the uh, original betrayal of Judas betraying Jesus for the 30 pieces of silver. Uh And in this story, that betrayal caused the first demons to appear on Earth. And so this family who has possession of these 30 pieces of silver has to go around and basically has been fighting this war against demons since that happened. That's cool. And it doesn't give you a whole lot of the story plot in the description of the book, but I was like, that sounds different. I haven't seen that explored, I don't think, ever in a comic book. So I think people get afraid, right? Like I think there's always the fear of can we can we tackle this? Um and I think now that things are more open and indie labels are doing better, I think we're able to see that more often, which is good because we really should be shouldn't be afraid. Well, and especially in this day and age, like, I promise you, there is nothing you can make or put out or produce that someone's not going to be offended by. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, it's It's literally impossible at this point. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have a reset. Like, again, there's we've talked about this on Phantoms a lot and others and other platforms. I think 
there are things that need to happen mm -hmm. and corrections that need to happen and movements that need to happen. Um, but when you, you go to one end, you usually go too far. And so there are some things that are crazy that, that you know, I won't say, but like that I've seen, whether it's at work or other things like with, you know, people, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy because I think like, if you were to think about everything that's, that's rough, like, and I'll, I'm going to make this up completely hypothetical, you know, because um, someone's, everyone's dealing with something, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think we're all different. We should celebrate the differences. That's the beauty of, of everything. But, um, you know, when you think about like, if I was to say like reach for the stars or whatever, is someone going to get, you know, offended if, if, if they can't reach up or if they're, they're vertically, you know, like that's, that's the thing where it's kind of like, you're taking old sayings. And I think people, and I'm, again, I, I want to point out, I'm not just, this is a made up story, but it parallels a real life story I dealt with at work where we were looking at a, a, at a title of something and someone said like, this might offend people. And it was something like super, super innocuous, like, you know, like, give it your best, give it a hundred percent. What if you can't give it a hundred percent? I'm like, wait, I, I don't, what are you talking about now? You know, like, <laughs> you know, like we, no, I get people, it though, for sure. You know what I mean? And so I think like people do get sensitive. So I think there's nothing you can really do. So I, I think we're in a really big transition phase and, mm -hmm. and there's, and you, it needs to happen for the major things that are out there that are super important that need to happen. Um, but hopefully, you know, there's, some of the other things were at least able to be human and, and kind of, you know, hundred percent normal. Yeah. And not be worried about saying something, you know, if, and, and, and if you do say something that I didn't know, like, so if, you know, I think like, I think about friends that I have that, you know, may have a disadvantage or, um, you know, um, with certain things like whether it's hearing or seeing I'm, I'm nearsighted. I mean, that's not, to me, that's not anything serious, but like, right. you know, but like if there's something, if you can't, you know, if you can't see or you can't hear or whatever, if I do say something that, that does, my hope is that if I do say something that catches them off guard, that, you know, that's, that's something like a vestige of the past that they'll explain it to me. I'll learn and listen mm -hmm. and grow and be a better person. Cause that's um, the only way you can is if somebody tells you yeah. you're wrong. So yeah. tell me I'm wrong, educate me. And now I know. Exactly. So, and to be clear again, not talking about major movements that are very important that need to happen. We're right. talking about little things like, again, like I said, the hypothetical, like, uh, you know, we can't say reach for the stars anymore because, you know, it, it might offend somebody. And I'm like, some what? flat earth or somewhere or something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't, you can't cry. Wait, can't cry over spilled milk. What if you're lactose intolerant? And it's like, whoa, whoa, stop, stop. <laughs> like, but that's something I could see someone say. I'm not right, right. So I mean, it's like you got to. That, that's that. That needs to stop. Come on. Uh, All right. Yeah. So the other one that is uh, my second most anticipated comic next week. Funny enough, there are no Marvel or DC books on here, and that should say something because I'm not impressed with what Marvel and DC have been doing lately. Mm. Just their recent stuff. It, it's some of it's good, but a lot of it is just like meh. But again, that's that's my opinion. But anyway, so this next book is Star Trek Strange New Worlds, The Illyrian Enigma Number 2 from IDW. And it's uh, being written and drawn by Kristen Bear and Megan Levins, who have both worked on previous Star Trek books before. So they've got experience handling this IP already. And the what's really cool about this series is that it's it ties directly into the television show that's going on right now. So... Season one just ended. This book takes place in season two, or in between season one and two, and then season two starts as soon as this comic book run ends. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So that reminds me. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, that reminds me. Remember, I'm not, you're in a delay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still watching you talk as I'm like trying. Um, no, it's funny. Um, it reminds me of the really great, you know, it was – Charles Soul and others that wrote and, and did artwork of uh, Darth Vader. And there was a bunch of series that all fit in. I mean, again, for people that don't know, Lucasfilm has a story group and all their platforms go into, you know, now it's canon, right? Um, and so the Darth Vader, I loved the Darth Vader series. I love things that, that fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. um, I know Tony does too, Mr. Marvelite. Um, <coughs> you know, he yeah, he's a lore buff on. for sure. 
Yeah, I think it's really cool. Like, you know, we had, what was it, the Wakanda Files that kind of mm-hmm. had so many really cool things. I love the the supporting materials. I think it's so much fun if you're a fan to kind of go in. Um, and for, you know, for yeah, I keep saying this all night, but for those that don't know, um, the Darth Vader series, I mean, it, iconic moments that are now officially in the storylines where, you know, where, where, where Darth found out that Luke was his son. Um, like that moment. Yeah, it actually shows book. the scene. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to, and he's, and the second he finds out, he's like, I'm going to take over the galaxy with him. Like, we're, we're going to rule the galaxy. And it doesn't show that moment in the movies. So it's no. really cool to see that exact yeah. moment in the comics because you're like, okay, he figured out who he was between now and then and whatever. Or you think he, he, he already always knew. No, he had no clue. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that stuff. So that's really cool that it goes between. And I also love the fact that it's, uh, um, I, I think IDW has been doing really great stuff with with um, show and movie IP. I mean, they mm-hmm. did Back to the Future too. They've done a bunch of Back to the Future. Uh, oh, and they, they just signed an extension, I believe, with their licensing agreement with Paramount to where they still have the Star Trek franchise for a while because they've got like it's like five or six different star trek books going on right now as well as like four or five different shows that are going on right now it's insane how much star trek content is coming out it's awesome and it's and the last thing i'll say it's really cool that it's two women working on this yeah as creatives um that's really cool to see star Um, trek is one of those ips that has always been like ahead of its time as far as diversity goes I mean, if you think back to, I, I'm I'm not as familiar with the original series with William Shatner. I, I haven't watched it as intently as I have the other ones. But if you go if you go all the way back to even Next Generation with Patrick Stewart and uh, Jonathan Frakes and everybody else, and that they, they had non-binary characters in that show, they had homosexual relationships in that show, like that. It was, and that was in the late 80s early 90s yeah well kirstie alley was on there that's one of her um first shows and then they had a female captain um she was i I captain janeway yeah and i i again i i have not seen i'm like you i have not seen um the movies or the original show uh i i respect everything they've done i mean Mm -hmm. i think william shatner's one of the the best Uh, (laughs) um he's the coolest um They've done amazing things, and for them to have back then um, a female captain, and she ended up being—I know this because she ended up being on Orange Is the New Black. Mm-hmm. She was the Russian cook in, yep. the, in the jail. So, like, just a really cool like stuff that you see people, and people are saying like, "Oh, this is their background," and she right. Well, and now like, oh, it's to the point where there is um, in the current series Discovery, there is a black female captain who's that main character of the show. Mm-hmm. There's a gay couple on board the ship. There's a trans couple on board the ship. Like it, it they they are way by far and away ahead of most IPs out there. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, sadly. Um, but okay, they've then. been like that since their origin. I mean, it's always been like that. They they've they had back in what the '60s. They had people of color inside and on screen and in major roles. And that wasn't done back then. Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't Shatner and, and was it Nichelle Nichols were the first mm-hmm. um, biracial on screen kiss, right? I, I on- believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk about, talk about, you know, uh, progressive. <laughs> yeah. Like wall breaking or glass. Right. Right. Or, you know, like I mean, that, again, I mean, that I was think, a big deal back then. That was huge. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, that's it. They really do have a legacy of that, which is it's funny. I I, I never I, I knew that fact clearly, but I never thought about like them continuing and that show continuing. Mm-hmm. And they've really kind of been a bastion for what a show should be and should do and, and how it should push the envelope further. Yeah, because in Deep Space Nine, the main character was uh, Captain Cisco, who was a black male. So, I mean, they've they've always tried to keep it as diverse as possible and i think it makes sense because you know it's supposed to be hundreds of years in the future where humanity no longer mm. has poverty or war or even uses money so it's like now we have time to actually better ourselves as a species rather than fight with each other all the time because now we don't have to worry about that well ho- hopefully hopefully <laughs> you, you know you hope. there's exceptions uh, to everything but yeah you know. you, you know. <laughs> But that's all I've got for this week, man. Uh, okay. Nice. 
first episode, <laughs> a little over an hour, you know, a good fair share of technical difficulties at the beginning. I think it went pretty smooth though for a first episode. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was great. Whoever watched, I appreciate the watching. Yes, thank you say, very much. I've always wanted to say this: be like, drop a like button below, <laughs> uh, hit that subscribe button too, because it it helps. I think so. Some, one of my favorite uh, YouTubers, is, it helps the algorithm oh so much. Um, but yeah, let us know. Like, comment. Let us know what uh, you want to see in the future. What, what guests you, you want to see us cover. try and get on here? What do you want to see us go over? topics for whatever i thought the odph podcast in there and one of our our really good friends who is amazing and does a lot you know so i love the the advice and the comments in there and so we really appreciate that kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. you know anything you want to say drop in there uh you know jj and i and and future co-hosts and supporters of JJ and the show will take notice uh, and appreciate it. hundred percent. And also I want to thank the caption life. I want to thank um, cell phone wallet keys, Mickey. And I also want to thank uh, Mr. Marvelite, Tony, because without those three guys, this episode would not have freaking happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a blast. That's all. That's all that matters. I had a blast. This is great. I learned a ton and Man, this is you. This is valuable uh, stuff that you you shared. So, I hope so. Um, that's, that's what I'm trying to do here with this new show. So hopefully, people found it informational, if nothing else. <laughs> I think so. All right, guys. Well, I think that's it for this evening. Like he said, leave a like, subscribe, share it, um, give us a comment. Let us know what you guys want to see us cover. Who you want to see us try to interview? Anything like that. We're up for pretty much anything if it has to do with comic books. So mm-hmm. my name is JJ from JJ's Comic Stuff. This is Michael Rothman from Nerd Initiative and a whole bunch of other places. And we will see you guys next time.